Time with your host, Coach Danielle McCartney. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartney. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Excited to be with you guys. I have a cool setup today. I must uh, first say that I, I'm live, uh, first of all, on your radio, 90.3 FM. I'm also streaming live WRPR uh, website worldwide. And also, I got a live stream going on Facebook with my old iPhone. I got a live stream going on YouTube, which is brand new for the first time. Hi, everybody watching on YouTube. That's on my iPad. And to my right, B Monzo WFAN. What's up, Brian Monzo? I got a... Uh, live stream going on my periscope feed on my regular phone so we are all hooked up you should see the setup i'm going to tweet out a picture of this setup uh when uh, when i'm done today uh so i've got a jam-packed show 60 minute overtime fall 2017 episode three today's november 12th 2017 it is a frigid 38 37 degrees in new york i'm your hostess daniel mccart i'm gonna take you through the next hour talking the best of new york sports today's guest i have christian hackenberg on at around let's say 11:20 with him and i have a special guest tj reeves he is my mentor in this crazy business and he also happens to be the tampa bay buccaneers sideline reporter and the jets happen to be playing the buccaneers today so that's a, a cool interview that was pre-recorded i did it yesterday pre-recorded obviously he's got some things to do today on football uh, on football sunday so you can find my work prosportsrundown.com on twitter at coach m-c-c-a-r-t-a-n youtube Tons and tons of videos on there. All you have to do is search Coach Space McCartan, soundcloud.com slash Coach McCartan. If you're too lazy to do that, all you have to do is subscribe to the iTunes podcast, Coach McCartan. Tune in radio. It's under the show name, 60 Minute Overtime. And finally, play.google.com, Coach McCartan. I'm video simulcast right now in three different places. And uh, and you. So the phone number to call in, guys, is 201-825-1234. would love to get your opinion on a bunch of these topics. Uh, we're going to talk about Eli Manning. Is it time for him to sit? Finally, I have my Christian and Hackenberg interview. Jets, Bucks, what do you got for that? And Giants, 49ers. Someone's got to win that game today. And, uh, and oh, and the Yankees are going to test out earlier start times for next year. Oh, yeah. Something I've been praying for for a very long time. Here's a phone number to call in. My jingle. Got something to say? Call the studio. 201-825-1234. So my loyal listeners will ha- see or hear or remember that, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, four weeks ago now, I got on here in front of this microphone, in front of these streaming devices, and I said that once the Giants are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, they should sit Eli Manning. Okay, I got tons and tons and tons of slack for that. People on uh, Twitter were arguing with me, saying, uh, "You know, Eli is Eli. He's never going to sit. You know, you're you're just fake concerned about his health." Well, I I I know I have those still in my newsfeed, and I I can go back and tweet these guys. That all of a sudden everybody seems to talk about this revolutionary idea, which I had four weeks ago, that the Giants should sit. Eli Manning. <laughs> Someone just said on Periscope that Eli is old and the Bills will continue their losing streak. <laughs> oh, okay, well, hey Nunzio, hey Clay the producer all the way from Vegas. So four weeks ago I said the Giants, they're going to have to sit Eli Manning. He's going to be 37 in January. 
He's on his way out. He's no super manning, everybody. He's not. And this offensive line is absolutely terrible, and it's just downright dangerous for Eli Manning to be standing back there. For anybody, but for Eli, especially because he's quote-unquote old. He knows how old he is. He said it before, but he's going to be 37 in January. He's not supermanning. This offensive line is probably the worst ever assembled in the history of the New York Giants. And guess what, everybody? The Giants are 1-7. I'm no mathematician. I almost have a math degree, actually. Almost. A math minor. But the Giants are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. If the season ended today, November 12th, 2017... The Giants would have the third overall pick in next year's draft. Which is, by the way, a quarterback-heavy draft. You've heard the names Darnold and Rosen, haven't you? Well, guess what? If the season ended today, the 49ers would have the first pick overall. They're not looking for a quarterback. They just got Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady's protege, over from, from New England. Second pick in the draft would be, let's look, the Browns are at 0-8, if it ended today. The Browns are in the market for a quarterback, so either they take, uh, after Kaiser's terrible experience this year so far, I, I would think they're in the market for a quarterback. They would probably take either Darnold or Rosen, their choice. And then the other one, yes, with the Giants, with the third overall pick, it would fall to the Giants, whoever it is. Either way, it's a win. But everybody says, Bill, whoa, whoa, back up. The Giants have three quarterbacks on their roster. Someone said the, the Browns always need a quarterback. Yeah, so do the Jets. <laughs> trade Beckham for more picks or linemen. That's insane. How dare you try and smear the Eli Manning legacy? No, there won't be a legacy if he gets hurt behind this offensive line. You want him to, to go off in crutches to end his career? No one wants that. So here's what we have here. The Giants have three quarterbacks on their roster. Number one, obviously, in the depth chart is Eli Manning. Number two is Geno Smith. And he is, uh, we know what he can do. In the New York sports scene, we know what he's about. In my opinion, he is not a franchise quarterback. He is not a starting quarterback. He's a nice, solid backup. So let's see what we can do and put in Davis Webb, the guy they just uh, drafted last year. Why don't we start giving this guy some first-team reps at practice? Let him work with the A-team. And look at the Giants' rest of the schedule. They've got NFC East matchups coming up all at home. They play the Cowboys at home, they play the Eagles at home, and they play the Redskins at home. How about we let him gain some experience, see what he can do. Obviously, we're not playing for much if you're a Giant fan, but in the situation, given the situation, situational play, I mean, this is this is golden. Someone's saying trade Eli and get more good linemen. Well, first of all, I had a problem with Jerry Reese not addressing the line in, in the last draft because there were some good guys that, that I wanted. Uh, I, for example, Forrest Lamp. I wanted him to fall to the Giants. Someone said treat the rest of the year as preseason. Let's see what Webb has. Yes, ex that's exactly what I'm saying. There's no way they're going to trade Eli Manning for, for line linemen. I mean, are you kidding me? Reese needed to be fired last year when he did not address the fact that the Giants' offensive line does their best impression of Swiss cheese each and every year. 
That's when Reese should have gone. I believe that Coughlin should have stayed. Reese should have gone. Because here is Reese is spending $200 million on a defense that's ranked, I believe it's 30th or 29th in the league over an overall defense. You've got to be kidding me. Get rid of him. Get somebody in there who knows how to put players together. Like a Brian Cashman type, no? Perhaps trading Eli to a team that needs a veteran quarterback like Denver. Giants would kill for McCown now. No one has depth at the line to trade anyway. Okay, so listen. You put Davis Webb in, you see what he can do, okay? There's two outcomes this could possibly have. If he's what you're looking for, great. You have your next franchise quarterback. Simple enough. If you think you could work with him, obviously he's a rookie, obviously. But I don't buy into this quarterback's need time to observe for years and years and years and stand on the sideline for years and years and years. I mean, I'm going to point to Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz. They didn't need years and years and years. So if Davis Webb, you put him in, he's not what you're looking for. Well, then now you know that you have to draft your franchise quarterback in 2018. This is not rocket science. Okay, this is not rocket science, Jerry Reese. So you put Webb in. He's what you're looking for. Great. He's not. Then you, you, you have your next quarterback, either in Darnold or Rosen. Then what you do is you furthermore, you trade Davis Webb to a quarterback-hungry team like the Browns or the Broncos or the Jets for more picks. Then what you do with those more picks is you build a fortified offensive line. I feel like this is like going back one year from from today because I was saying the same thing. This is not rocket science. I mean, you look at the teams like the the Cowboys who have a a stellar offensive line And, and what their quarterback... Dak Prescott could do, young quarterback. You look at teams like the Titans, stellar offensive line. What their quarterback, Marcus Mariota, can do. And DeMarco Murray, who was one of the the, uh, comeback player of the year finalists for last year, the running back. You look at the Raiders and what their offensive line can do for a guy like Derek Carr. At that point, you need to really look in the mirror and see what's going on in this league. The Jets are out of contention for a quarterback this year unless they trade up, which is not McCagnon style. Joe Falborn, tell the truth, Danielle. Hey, Joe. Guys, this doesn't mean that Eli Manning is done. He's locked up through 2020. It just means he's done for this year. There's nothing to play for for Eli Manning this year except an injury. And at his age, an injury could be career-ending. And you people that blasted me on social media for this idea four weeks ago, Have you come around yet? Now that more people are saying it and taking my idea, the Giants have the third worst record in the NFL. Third worst. I mean, come on. What what do you guys want? Do you want Eli Manning to stand out there and get blasted from the blind side when Eric Flowers lets his his defender go through, I don't know, 80% of the time? You want that? You want Eli Manning, the legacy of Eli Manning, the two-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time Super Bowl winner, to be carted off the field, and that's how his career ends? Some people might. I know that. I know that. Some people want that. You're crazy. You're crazy if you want that. And let's be honest, Eli Manning hasn't been hitting his targets lately, but guess what? When you look at his quarterback rating from the last year 
it's almost exactly the same. His quarterback rating, I think right now is at like an 85. Last year it was at like 86. So Eli Manning is Mr. Consistent, all reliable. There's things going on around him that are not good. It doesn't help when you have Beckham, whether you think some people on Periscope are telling me that Beckham's a cancer, whether you think he's a cancer or not, the guy's a playmaker. When you have, he's hurt, out for the year. Brandon Marshall, out for the year. You have uh, an offensive line, like I just said, is, is just terrible. Sterling Shepard's banged up. I mean, how many guys deep do you have to go in order for Eli Manning to, to get a, a receiver? Someone who can catch the ball for him. And I know Brandon Marshall has his share of drops too. But you people that are calling for Eli Manning to, to, to play out the rest of this year, you're crazy. You're crazy. Because it's only going to harm the Giants in the long term. Like I said, you need to see what Davis Webb can do. And I know Giant fans aren't used to this. You know, backup quarterback controversies. Because Eli Manning has been the longest tenured quarterback for the Giants in the history of the Giants. I respect Eli more than his brother Peyton usually had great lines. Great lines? I don't know what that, I don't know what that means. Um, but you're doing the Giants a disservice if you think Eli Manning should play out the rest of the season. I'm sorry. And if you want to keep his, uh, his streak going for consecutive starts, that's fine. You let him play the first quarter of every game. That's it. I mean, he's, he's, today he's going to break his brother Peyton's record of con- most consecutive starts by a quarterback. He's never going to catch Brett Favre, who was at 297. So what is it really worth? I mean, what even then, what is it really worth? Knowing that he's not going to break Favre's record. He's like 50 games off. I mean, he'd, he'd have to be playing, I don't know, four or five more seasons, and that's not, that's not going to happen. Eli will not play four or five more seasons in, for the Giants or elsewhere. And those of you people saying that you should trade Eli Manning, you're screwed up in the head. Trade him? Trade the guy... I mean, I know we're, the, the rearview mirror is smaller for a reason and, and the windshield is bigger for a reason. But come on, you can't trade Eli Manning. No way. You just can't do it. No shot. Your calls at 201-825-1234 on the other side of this quick 30-second commercial. Hey, Mr. Smith. Want to try out my time machine? It runs on Doritos. Sure. So now what? Got to put the whole bag in. Okay. Yes! It's really working, Jimmy! This is the greatest moment of my life! Get out of my yard! Jimmy? You're so old. It's the future! Alright, so this past Tuesday night, I took a drive, well, there's no phone lines ringing here, but this past Tuesday night, I took a drive to Florham Park in the pouring, pouring, pouring rain to cover the flag football tournament that the Jets were hosting at their practice facility. Quarterbacks Christian Hackenberg and Josh McCown and defensive end Mike Pennell, they were all coaching the young teams from Manhattan, the Bronx, and other areas in New York, and luckily I was able to speak with Christian Hackenberg about the event, and yes, the event only... (laughs) Uh, and here's here's what he had to say. Hey everybody, I'm Danielle McCartan here at the Jets practice facility at One Jets Drive in Forum Park, New Jersey, with Christian Hackerberg, number five for, the, for Gangrene. Uh, so we're here at a fundraising event for, for kids, uh, and I don't know if they know it, and we're going to keep it under wraps until the end, but the winners of this tournament are going to Nationals. So he is Coach Hackenberg today. Um, first of all, did you do anything uh, at Penn State 
resembling this event um, I mean, or fundraising or charity? Yeah, I think Penn State did a did a really good job um, as a whole. Uh, you know, we did things uh, our Lift for Life every year. Um, that was always big, huge part of our summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we did a lot of stuff as a team to, to raise money for that. Uh, and then we obviously we did Thon, which is you know, an incredible experience. We've done a lot of stuff with that, so. Um, you know, both of those have kind of stuck with me and transitioning into this. Um, you know, I like to, every time I have an opportunity to do it, I enjoy doing stuff like this. Now, today's your day off, and you're here in a rainy, cold night helping these kids. What's that for you, like for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's, it, at the end of the day, you know, it's not about me, it's about them. Um, you know, and it's just cool, again, to be able to come out here, um, let these kids experience this, coming into our facility, running around. I never had an opportunity to do anything like this when I was younger, so um, yeah, it's pretty cool to be welcomed into a professional, professional building, a professional facility, uh, and and be able to run around and have some fun. You know, it's cool to me to see the girls on these teams. I always wanted to play football. How cool is that to see girls involved in, yeah, in a boys' cool. game? Um, you know, we actually had Gabrielle on our team. She was she was awesome. Uh, you know, we talked on the sideline a lot. And she's really cool. So I mean. Like I said, it's just it's just cool to see everyone having fun. You know, everyone comes out from all different parts of the city, um, and they're they're able to come in and, and have a fun, have a, have a great time playing an awesome game. So, uh, what advice did you guys give to your guys at halftime? They came out and scored a couple they came touchdowns. Out, they came out, you know, it was just keep keep plugging away, keep fighting, uh, and they did a good job. No, no, they quit. So that was cool. And uh, actually, there was one kid that you had to kind of motivate a little bit. What did you t- tell him on the sideline? I just told him, you know. When things are tough, you can't can't keep your head down. You got to keep going, and you got to be the same guy. You know they're they're there for you when, mm-hmm. when you're not doing so well, and then for whatever the reason is, you, know, you got to keep you got to keep up, and you got to help those guys out as well. It's a, it's a team thing, so uh, I hope I hope the message stuck. With you. So speaking of team thing, Josh McCown just beat your team. How does it feel to lose to you know your mentor? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, <laughs> He, you know, gave me a great handshake and a, and a big grin, and I'm sure I'm gonna hear something about it tomorrow in the meetings. But um, yeah, that, that was fun. That was fun. Um, and then just, I guess, you know, incorporating your knowledge as a professional football player and imparting it onto these kids. I mean, what do you hope they take away from this in, in summary? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, I think um, the biggest thing, you know, without getting into any X's and O's, because they're out here, it's, it's flag football. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of a different game. Yeah. But I think, you know, just the biggest takeaway is at this age, you, know, you just got to go out and have a blast. It's, you know, I, to this day, you know, I go home and I talk to all my buddies or I'll talk to my college friends. And we're always talking about high school and, and little league and peewee football. Mm-hmm. And these are like the coolest moments ever. And I'm sure if you ask any of us sitting in this locker room right now, if we could go back and play a peewee game, like everyone would be like, without a doubt. It's just, you know, you're out there, you're having a blast, you're running around. Um, so for me, you know, I think that's the coolest part, and I hope, hope that they really took that away to enjoy this because it's it doesn't last forever, and, and you know, you got to move on and go your separate ways at times, but yeah. uh, I think that's the biggest part of it. Awesome. All right, well, thank you very much. I'm Daniel McCarty with yep. Christian Hackenberg. And uh, good luck this season. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you. And Thank you. Keep plugging away. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. Thank you. Awesome. So that's pretty cool. That was Christian Hackenberg. Yes, I know I didn't ask him any football questions, but I technically kind of wasn't really allowed to. So I think it was great. Uh, he's a, always a great interview. I always appreciate everything he uh, he gives for me um, because he's, you know, he's a young quarterback. He's in a tough spot, too. 
And uh, he's just a good guy. So the result of that uh, from that night was that Manhattan North, who was coached by Mike Pennell, they defeated Queens South and blow, blew them out 62-14 in the championship round. So Manhattan North, um, the Jets are paying for them to go to Nationals in Florida. So uh, good luck, guys, and uh, take one home, will you? State wins and T-Mobile. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, folks, I have to apologize again. Look, those were last year's numbers. It says right here on the card, T-Mobile doubled their LTE coverage in the last year. And with more LTE towers than Verizon, T-Mobile reaches pretty much everyone they do. I'm not taking responsibility on this one. Uh-uh, Verizon got it wrong. Yes, not me. Join the millions that switched. So that's my Pirates of the Caribbean music because the Jets are playing in Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, the Pirates at Raymond James Stadium at 1 o'clock. And the Jets have left freezing cold New Jersey and they are playing in 80 degree sunshine in Tampa Bay. I wish I was there. But first, before I play this interview with uh, TJ Reeves, who is the Bucks sideline reporter, I just want to go over a couple things because you people thought I was crazy. <laughs> I may be still crazy, but... When I was in Vegas in June, in the end of June, uh, beginning of July, I put $10 on the Jets to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Guess what? I'm looking at their schedule. The Jets are currently at 4-5 and five right now, right? They could beat the Buccaneers today easily. Okay, even though Vegas has just switched the odds to be in the, the favor of the Buccaneers. They could beat the Broncos, because the Giants beat the Broncos. I mean, come on. And they could beat the Chargers. So if they did that, the Jets would be at 7-9. and nine, Right? And then you look at the Panthers, the Chiefs, the Saints, and the Patriots. I mean, the Jets almost had the Patriots last time around. So if, if the Jets can beat either the Panthers, the Chiefs, the Saints, or the Patriots, just one of them, they're at 8-8. Eight eight, which is in prime position for the wild card. I know this is crazy. I know this is crazy, but if the Jets win the Super Bowl, I'm going to be a pretty rich person, right? So the only way in, obviously, yes, dad is going to be through the wild card because the Patriots have locked up the AFC East for as long as I've been alive. They've obviously missed their chance on a stud quarterback, so why not? Why not the Jets in the wild card? People thought I was crazy. Billy D is asking me if I'm feeling all right. Oh, I'm feeling fine. But when you look at the schedule, Billy, I mean, come on. The Jets are poised to be 8-8 eight eight by the end of this season. It starts with today, obviously. And they're not too... I mean, they're 22nd on offense, 24th on defense, 25th in passing, and 18th in rushing. But guess what? The Jets are finding ways to win. They've lost three games in the final half, or final quarter. Yes, and they do play hard for their coach. Yes. So what I'm trying to say is, don't count the Jets out. Especially if when the uh, the touchdown with Austin Safarian Jenkins was called back in that Patriots game, which is everybody is unanimous in agreeing that it, that, in fact, was a touchdown. And if that was a touchdown, they would have beat the Patriots. 
But we can't have that. Can't have that. We can't have the Jets beating the Patriots, everybody. So, therefore, Patriots won that game. But that was, they were just were that close. They were that close. And I do think they're going to pull out a win on one of those teams I mentioned. And they are going to finish this season 8-8. Eight and eight. But, yes, it does start with the Buccaneers. And here's my interview recorded yesterday with Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter and my mentor, TJ Reeves. Tomorrow afternoon, the 4-5 and five New York Jets leave the bitter cold. Right now it is 33 degrees to travel south to sunny 80-degree Tampa Bay to take on the 2-6 and six Buccaneers. With the injury to starting quarterback Jameis Winston, the Buccaneers find themselves counting on journeyman quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was signed by the Bucs after a short stint with the Jets. The Jets are relying on journeyman quarterback Josh McCown, who, in his 15th season, is experiencing a fluke season. It's the second-best quarterback rating he's ever posted. It's 96.1 versus his career average as 80.2. Tampa Bay is also on a stop on his journey throughout the NFL. After a fast start, the Buccaneers are in the midst of a five-game skid, while the Jets are coming off a strong 34-21 victory over the emerging Buffalo Bills. All right, Jets fans, we are in for a very special treat this week on 60 Minute Overtime. I have on the phone TJ Reeves, among many other things. He is uh, a sound mentor to me trying to navigate this business. But uh, more importantly, he's the the sideline reporter for the Buccaneers Radio Network. He's going to bring us some inside knowledge of this team and examining this Week 10 matchup. So, TJ, first for me is going to be the main storyline. What can you tell my listeners about uh, this storyline, Ryan Fitzpatrick gets the start against his most recent former team, the New York Jets. It's crazy. It's good to be with you. And how about we have former quarterback going against former quarterback for their old teams when Fitzpatrick gets to play against the Jets. But let's not forget that Josh McCown was here for a 2014 season, which ended up being an awful year. One year he was here as the starting quarterback in Tampa Bay and McCown now playing well for the Jets. So this is this is uh, – uh, two quarterbacks going against their ex-teams yet again, and, and the wild part, your listeners probably know something about this stat, they, they played against each other last year when Fitzpatrick was the Jets quarterback and McCown was the Browns quarterback, and Danielle at that time, it set the record because it was the first time ever the two quarterbacks who had played for 13 different teams between them, McCown seven teams, Fitzpatrick six teams, played against each other and started a game. Now, fast forward a year, it is 15 teams between the two of them. McCown's eighth team, Fitzpatrick's seventh team, and they get to start it in November in Tampa. How about that? Look, uh, I mean, at 38 years of age, McCown is older, but he appears to be much more nimble than Fitzpatrick is. Fitzpatrick can move around some and still looks great. I mean, he looked good back four years ago in Tampa Bay, running around, scrambling around. Now, you can make the argument that maybe he's taking chances with his body that he shouldn't be taking as a 38-year-old going down the middle of a defense where tacklers can clobber him or or not getting to the sideline quick enough before somebody can clobber him. But he he has shown great athleticism even at 38 years of age, including that touchdown against the Bills back 10 days ago. You know, that was something he was always known for as a Jet. That's what I liked about him, his grit, his willingness to, to, you know, dive across the goal line and, and take one for the team. But, you know, the, he is the second quarterback for this team, and if something happens to him, who knows what's going to happen for the Bucks? So he, he's got to be a little bit more careful in his uh, in his game strategy and his approach for tomorrow. 
Well, yeah, and this is a Buccaneer defense that has really struggled uh, to be consistent at all. They were so good a year ago, especially the second half of the year on third down and in takeaways. They're not really doing either. They've had trouble rushing the quarterback. They're worst in the NFL in sacks, fewest sacks in the league. So Buccaneers are searching for some answers, and they're hoping they're going to find some answers against their former teammate. I mean, rest assured that Gerald McCoy, big defensive tackle, uh, you know, Pro Bowl, perennial Pro Bowl defensive tackle, uh, outstanding Pro Bowl caliber linebacker Levante David. They've been wanting to hit Josh McCown since 2014. They were never allowed to, Danielle. They're finally allowed to hit him in this game on Sunday. Well, I have sort of an interesting take on this because everybody's saying, oh, Fitzpatrick versus his old team, the Jets. As far as I'm concerned, the only thing familiar to him is going to be the uniform color, honestly, because they have a completely new-look defense. They've got rookies on there. They've got Revis out of there. The, the Jets have fired five or more assistant coaches this offseason, including three on the defensive side. Pepper Johnson, defensive line coach, Mark Collins, outside linebackers coach, and Joe Dana, who is the defensive backs coach. So, you know, it's a mass exodus of veteran talent. The defensive schemes are just completely different. They've drafted guys that are starting. And I think Harv- uh, Fitzpatrick, who we all know, we're tired of hearing he's a Harvard graduate, he couldn't even tip off the scout team offense in this game because his former offensive coordinator, Chan Gailey, retired after last season. So I'm tired of hearing this Fitzpatrick <laughs> versus his old team because, honestly, it's a whole different Jets team that he's going against than what he's used to. So it's like you were a lawyer and we were in the courtroom and I'm the judge. I would say case dismissed. Right? Case dismissed. You made a great argument there on that. And you know the same can really be said for McCown knowing the Buccaneer defensive scheme somehow, some way, because this is a different coaching staff now than when he played here. Mike Smith running a different defense uh, than, than what was here. So I think you're right. A lot of people are playing into that. How much do they know about their old team and their old scheme? And I, I think you've uh, eloquently laid out not a whole lot can be gleaned. It's probably going to come down to who doesn't make mistakes. And, you know, that's that's something that has plagued both of them. Uh, and one of the reasons why they bounced around is interceptions and, and mistakes. And, uh, you know, we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick get significant playing time in the game at Arizona when Jameis Winston was hurt in the first half. He had three touchdowns, he threw for nearly 300 yards, but he had two interceptions, including a critical one in the fourth quarter where the Bucks were backed up in their own end. He gave away an interception down by the goal line, the, the Cardinals scored on the next play, and it basically ended any hope of a comeback. McCown has been the same. He's talented, he's a great guy to be around, but if there's one thing that has constantly hampered him is he will throw the ball to the other team, and he has done it. Throughout his career, he did it in the Dolphins' loss late in the game. He has done it even in a couple of their victories where he's thrown interceptions and you just scratch your head. So if you're the Bucks, you're also looking for the takeaway, just like the Jets are looking at the takeaways from Fitzpatrick. Well, I think the Jets are, are third in the league in, in takeaway ratio. So I think, I mean, I think Fitzpatrick's got an uphill battle in that sense, more so than McCown versus the Buccaneers' defense. Well, and yes, uh, and a 3-4 defense has given the Bucks some trouble here and there. I mean, the good news is we won't know until around game time or what they decide with the inactives, but Muhammad Wilkerson has been listed as did not participate three days in a row in practice and listed as questionable. If he can't play, that's advantage Buccaneers because that's one of the, the big defensive problems on that line that the Buccaneers are preparing for. So we'll see if he is healthy enough to play in the game, but if not – you know, the, that 3-4, I mean, the Bucks have not been able to run the ball 
at all. And so that 3-4 was already going to present problems as it is. If he is in there, it presents even more problems for the Buccaneers trying to get something going. Now, speaking of getting something going, we have to go over, today is, we're recording this on Saturday at noon, we have for Tampa Bay quarterback Jameis Winston obviously out, Mike Evans, wide receiver suspended, and on the Jets side, you just talked about Wilkerson, we have Matt Forte out already, um, and as Jeremy Curley is also serving a suspension for PED use. So for the Buccaneers, you know, looking at this, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I have the key matchup for the t- uh, the Buccaneers being the tight ends, uh, Brayton Howard versus the Jets secondary. So how much of an impact have Brayton Howard had on the Bucks' offense, especially Howard being drafted so high? How has he, has he blended in? Well, they are a good question. They are in tandem as dangerous a couple of tight ends as there are in pro football. I mean, Cameron Brake, you go back to the middle of last year, speaking of Harvard, uh, you know, that's a Harvard tight end. And when Fitzpatrick not only completed him a pass, but completed him a touchdown pass in Arizona, that's the first time in NFL history a Harvard quarterback threw a touchdown to a Harvard receiver or tight end. Brake, since the middle of last year, is the number one pass-catching tight end in the NFL. Let me say that again. He is the best pass-catching touchdown tight end in the NFL since week nine last year. So he's a threat. O.J. Howard, the rookie, has kind of sprinkled in at a big game in Buffalo, had almost a 100-yard receiving game and two touchdowns. They haven't gotten him as involved, I think, as he would like or they would they would like, but that is, that is definitely going to be something to watch for in this game. Can Ryan Fitzpatrick take... Uh, advantage of those tight ends, especially with Mike Evans suspended. I mean, we know Deshaun Jackson's a burner down the field, but we anticipate the Jets will double-team him a bunch. You, you've got guys like Adam Humphreys and Brate and Howard that can operate underneath. We'll see what Ryan Fitzpatrick elects to utilize, but those are two big targets, one wearing number 84 and one wearing number 80, that he's going to be looking for in this game. Yeah, Brate's listed at 6'5", 236, Howard at 6'6", 242. And just a little nugget of information here, the Jets have allowed 513 receiving yards to tight ends, which is and six touchdowns, which is 27th in the league. So uh, that's going to be a tall task for I, I, the Jets secondary, no doubt. Well, and if, and if there's a team that can take advantage of that stat, you would think it would be this team. But, you know, as much as we try to go over this stuff in advance of all these games every week, you try to map out how might the game go, you would think Cameron Brake's slated to have a big game against the Jets. That's why you line up and play the game. The Jets may completely take him away. They may double-team him with linebackers and safeties and take him completely out of the game. We'll see. Well, Jamal Adams uh, played for LSU on the Jets, and Marcus May played for Florida. They are pretty familiar with O.J. Howard. He played at Alabama, and right. they've met throughout their college career. So, like you said, you got to line up and play the game. Who knows what, what's going to happen? Well, and that's and that's why, you know, by the same token, the Bucks come back home on a five-game losing streak, and... The vibe all around us is, you know, the coaching staff in trouble. What's going on with Jameis Winston? He's going to the sideline for a couple of weeks because his shoulder is banged up. It's actually gotten worse. He's taking more hits on it, so they've shut him down for at least a couple of games. But this is the NFL, and it, and you've got talented players. And if they get their act together, the Buccaneers, they can snap out of it at home. And as much as you would look at that as a, as a, as a Jet fan or a Jet observer and say, oh, this is, this is a Tampa Bay team in turmoil without their quarterback – they're playing for pride at the moment, too. They're playing for a check, too. They're playing for jobs on this team or another team already for this season. This is their opportunity to show what they can do. And so let's see if the Bucks don't play a smarter, better game, penalty-free, turnover-free, at home, get the home crowd into the game, and see if they can get things turned around. Because currently, 
it's kind of like a snowball running downhill at the moment. I mean, the last five weeks have built on each other with mistakes, with penalties, with turnovers. Let's see if they can stop that. You know, I just I think that the Jets are a little better than their record indicates. They're, they're at four and five, I think, because you know the Jets start strong, as you've seen the Patriots game, the Dolphins game, but they just can't seem to to close the game out. Um, so I think you know if take one or two of those, and and you got a Jets team that I think is flying under the radar for for a lot of people. Well, and you look, I mean, Buffalo have been playing well. We saw the Bills right before the Jets played the Bills in that Thursday night game. Saw them about a week and a half earlier. They clobbered the Raiders in between. Mm -hmm. And they did something that nobody else has been able to do against Buffalo, and that's take the ball from them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sacking Tyrod Taylor on the sack fumble. Then you had the bizarre play where Nick uh, O'Leary caught the the pass, looked like he was down. He jumped up because no one touched him, and they hit him, and he fumbled. They, they had not turned the ball over, and the Jets successfully turned them over and stayed away from the big turnover themselves and won the game. And this Buccaneer team, unfortunately, has been plagued by turnovers as well. So turnover battle will be a big deal, especially, let's say, in the first half of this game, because particularly if the Bucs with the home crowd behind them can get a turnover, can get an early lead, can put the pressure on McCown, you're hoping he makes a mistake. He throws an interception, maybe a pick six, something like that. That's best-case scenario for the Bucs. Now, for the Jets, uh, key to the game, I think it's going to fall on the shoulders of the running game. Uh, the Jets, uh, the Bucks' defensive front is ranked 22nd in the league. Could you give us an insight of the struggles that they have been facing this year? Because 22nd in the league, in my opinion, isn't you know top-tier defensive line here. Not good enough. Not good enough, especially in the pass rush department. But against the run, they've been pretty good. And again, you've got Gerald McCoy in the middle, who's a perennial pro bowler, the big fell out of, out of Oklahoma. Uh, who's now in his eighth season. Levante David is a maniac tackling linebacker. Quad Alexander has been out with an injured hamstring previously. He's come back to play a couple of games. But Danielle, he hasn't been the same player. He hasn't been as effective since returning from the injury. Let's see if he has a big game. He's had some situations where he's been out of position, uh, being burned on some plays. Let's see if he's better fundamentally in the middle of this defense because the, the Bucks know the Jets want to run the football, and the Jets have had success running the football in their victories. So let's see if, if the Bucks can stymie some of that run as this game goes on. Of course, we've got Elijah McGuire for the Jets running back. Also, Bilal Powell, he's a Lakeland, Florida native. That's going to be a home yeah. crowd game for him, right? How far is that from, yeah. from the Lakeland Jets? only about 30 minutes from Raymond James Stadium to the east towards Orlando where the game's being played. So, uh, I, you know, I, there's there's a lot of different footnotes for this course. Austin Safarian Jenkins, speaking yes. of tight ends, we haven't mentioned that name yet. Former Buccaneer draft pick who they gave up on at the beginning of last season because of his troubles off the field. And it's well documented that he's now said that, hey, uh, he's got his life, forget about football, he's got his life straightened out and, and, is, uh, and is doing a lot more of the right things off the field, got himself in better shape. Uh, and you know he would love nothing better than to stick one in, Daniel, on his old team, especially a touchdown right. on his old team. <laughs> but by the same token, there's a couple of Buccaneers, uh, safety Chris Conti, Quan Alexander, as we mentioned, Levante David, who would love nothing better than to level uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins because they haven't been allowed to do that previously. <laughs> when he played for the team, you couldn't touch those guys in practice especially. So uh, that's, that's another fascinating subplot to this game, ASJ. Returning to RJ to Raymond James Stadium. Final picks for this. I'm going to go. The Jets are third in NFL in takeaways. I think Fitzmagic's going to throw an interception in the closing seconds of the game, as Jets Nation is so accustomed to seeing. I'm going to go with Jets 24, Buccaneers 17. 
What do you have, uh, so you, have a, you have a fairly high-scoring game. Yes. I really I really think the Bucks will, will have some struggles against the Jet defense. I think this is a lower-scoring game, and obviously I think Josh McCown will make that critical turnover. Give me Buccaneers 20, Jets 17. Something close. We haven't really talked about the the kickers uh, as of yet, but for, for the Buccaneers, they've got another new kicker. They've been through two kickers already this year, including get rid of Roberto Aguayo in the preseason, the former second-round pick. Uh, Patrick Murray is the Bucks kicker. He's been solid. I think Bucks by a field goal 2017. Ooh, all right. Well, obviously, I'm going to go side with the Jets, and obviously, you're going right. to side with the Buccaneers. So it'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, it's going to be 1 o'clock tomorrow on CBS, Jets at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, TJ, so thanks for... Uh, giving such a, a great insight, a, an insider's insight about the Buccaneers to my listenership, and uh, have you back on soon. You're great. I always love being on with you anytime, including if we need to talk some college football as the playoffs start to narrow down in the college football playoff rankings. Love to be on with you. Keep up the good work with your show with 60-minute overtime. And let's see what happens with the Fitzpatrick versus McCown sequel 15 teams between them. You may never see it again. So uh, I am very tired, as you heard, of hearing the uh, the narrative. Can we just stop with this narrative that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going against his old team? I'm just going to drive this point home just one more time. It's not Fitzpatrick versus his old team. It's not. Nothing, seemingly nothing about this Jets team is the team that he left, including five assistant coaches, 11 veterans gone, two new rookies that are starting. I mean, there's nothing about this team that is his old team except for just, you know, the color of their uniforms. I'm Jamal Adams, safety of New York Jets. You are listening to Daniel McCartney on 60-Minute Overtime. Yeah, that's that's the Giants. It's all or nothing, O Town here. <laughs> all or nothing for the Giants. I mean, seriously, they're going against the Owen Owen nine forty ers today. So listen, last week coming back from Las uh, from Las Vegas from from Washington D.C., I'm driving back. I got I was so excited that I got the Giants on the radio on, on WFAN all the way in Maryland, right? Right, wrong, because it was terrible. That game was absolutely terrible to listen to. I'm sure it was even worse to be at and watch on TV. The Rams put up 51 points on the Giants' defense, which begs the question. I mean, that's the worst blowout of the Giants have ever faced, like pretty much ever. I mean, that begs the question. Did they quit? Did the Giants quit? I mean, it's really hard not to say that they didn't quit. I talked about this and more on a podcast with, uh, it's called Thursday Night Tailgate, Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari. Uh, we talked about this and more this past Thursday night. I just want you to take a listen, and I'll tell you where to find the whole podcast in full. Side of the Meadowlands, there, that nightmare that's uh, otherwise known as the New York Giants. You've heard it all this week. I've been reading the New York papers like I normally do. If you watched that game last week, Daniel, that was the first game I've seen in a long time where a team just quit. I hate to use that, like I said, but they just quit. 
that's usually a sign of a coach that's on his way out. But uh, what's going to become of this franchise? To, to think that they have one of the most anemic offenses in the league. I mean, they've had injuries, yes, Danielle, but you can't be one or two players away from this kind of disaster. Where does a team like that go from here? Well, nobody expecting that, not even Las Vegas. I think uh, before the season, season started, the Giants were maybe like 5-1 uh, to one odds to win the Super Bowl this year. I interviewed uh, uh, the long snapper, Zach Diossi, uh, in, in the preseason practices, and, and it was like the message he gave me, it was, it was Super Bowl or bust. And now let's fast forward, we're, we're eight weeks in, and Giants fans are not used to seeing this disarray firsthand. I mean, there's anonymous sources speaking out against the coach. There's fines. There's uh, no-shows for practice, calls for a backup quarterback. That seems a lot jet-like, you know, for these Giants. And like you said, the, Gi- the Giants are 28th in overall offense in the NFL, 28th out of 32 teams. Uh, 30th, though, on defense. That's a defense that they just spent $200 million on. It's astounding. I just think that the Giants are in a bad way. I think their coach, for sure, needs to go. I think Ben McAdoo needs to go. But but furthermore, and I I have been outspoken about this from the beginning, Jerry Reese should have gone two years ago. They should have let him go when he did not address their number one issue, even last year, which was the offensive line in this year's draft. He didn't even so much sneeze at it. So, you know, this this. To me, is like a team with no plan, a coach that's in over his head, a coach that doesn't know what he's doing, and it doesn't. It, it gets exacerbated by the fact that the Giants were were expected to win the Super Bowl this year, at least get there. I mean, you saw Brandon Marshall; he picked the Giants because he he thought they were a legitimate contender. And oh, how the tides are turned! Giants are one and seven, and it's just a mess. So, Danielle, you talk about, you know, potentially seeing a backup quarterback, right, Davis Webb. Could we, could we be seeing, you know, Eli Manning being set down, you know, for, you know, significant time, maybe even missing starts now, having his consecutive start uh, streak broken in favor of Davis Webb? Do you think that's the way they got to go just to see what they have in this kid? So you can listen to the whole spot. I've linked to their show through my Twitter and my Facebook. They have a great show. Uh, you can also go to their Twitters at CT Mascaro, M-A-S-C-A-R-O, and at Bob underscore Lazzari. That's the Italian way. Lazzari is how you say it in English <laughs> with the English accent. And they have a great show, Thursday Night Tailgate. I was, it was an honor to be on. And an honor always to be on with them. They're, they're two great guys. And it's uh, live every Thursday night on Blog Talk Radio. Here's to all the early mornings. To the last minute surprises. And even to the ones that never made it to the table at all. Here's to the year the power went out. The year the sparks flew. To the overcooked, the overfed, the overtime. Here's to the biggest kids' table on the street. Here's to the day that may not always be flawless. But it's always perfect. Happy Thanksgiving from Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. Sixty minutes overtime. Hurry up, offense with Danielle McCartan.
In NFL Week 10 action at 1 p.m. today on CBS, the 4-5 and five New York Jets will face the 2-5 and five Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers will be without star wide receiver Mike Evans, suspended for one game for getting into an altercation last week with the Saints. At 4.25 p.m. today on Fox, the 1-7 New York Giants will face the 0-9 49ers in San Francisco. The Giants are hoping to not replicate the embarrassing 51-17 loss at home against the Los Angeles Rams last week. It was their worst loss since 2013. 49ers will be looking for their first win of the season. Over in NFL, NHL action, the New York Rangers defeated the Edmonton Oilers 4-2 at home on Saturday afternoon. Rangers' Rick Nash was the leading scorer, netting two of the four goals. They are currently on a six-game winning streak and are at a promising 9-7-2 on the season. Their next game is Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on NBC Sports against the Chicago Blackhawks. The New Jersey Devils defeated the Florida Panthers 2-1 Saturday night. Kyle Parmieri and Devin Severinsen each had a goal for the Devils. Their next game is tonight at 7 p.m. against the Chicago Blackhawks on MSG+. In NBA, the New York Knicks defeated the Sacramento Kings 118-91 last night. Chris Stops Porzingis was a star of the show and had 34 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists. Their next game will be on Monday night at 7.30 p.m. on MSG Network, home at home versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Brooklyn Nets lost to the Utah Jazz last night, 114-106. Derek Favors of the Jazz had 24 points, and D'Angelo Russell of the Nets had 26. Their next, home, their next game will be Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m. on the Yes Network, at home against the Boston Celtics. I'm Danielle McCartan, and that was your 60-minute overtime sports update. seen it we all out there still practicing nobody's giving up nobody's being disrespectful everybody's standing tuned and standing together coach McAdoo just said he expects this team to go on a run do you think that's possible yeah of course um get not get this winning underneath our belt um doing the simple things playing what we do best and um as we get back to having fun and uh, if we do that yeah we could definitely make that run so that was uh audio courtesy of giants.com that was the voice of bruce beck obviously nbc4 Sportscaster interviewing Landon Collins at his locker. He's Landon Collins is saying that the, there's no quit in the Giants. Well, huh? I don't know. The, the one in seven New York Giants traveled to California to take on the San Francisco 49ers. They are at 0 and 9. Eli Manning will start his 208th consecutive career game, ties his brother Peyton for the second longest streak in NFL at quarterback. Brett Favre is number one with 297 consecutive career starts. And last week. Nugget of information for you, Eli fans. Eli became the seventh player in NFL history to throw for 50,000 yards. In in company, he joins brother Peyton, Brett Favre, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Dan Marino, and John Elway. Stick it to you people that think Eli Manning is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're crazy. So the injury report last I checked, we have for the 49ers uh, out, tight end George Kittle, Elijah Lee, Aaron Lynch, uh, questionable Solomon Thomas, that's a big one. For the Giants, we have a, a litany of people that are out or questionable. 
uh, linebacker B.J. Goodson, Devin Kennard, uh, Olivier Vernon still, Jonathan Casillas, Kerry Wayne, a bunch of them, a bunch of them, a bunch of them. And I, I just wanted to shout out Joe Falborn one more time. He told me that I am his new favorite podcast to listen to. That's great. Thanks. You don't have to listen live. I'll, all this goes on to the iTunes store and Google Play store and everything at the end. I'll tell you where to find it all. And I did run a, a poll on my Twitter that just ended this morning. I'm having a, a fantasy football uh, conundrum here. Do I start Matthew Stafford versus the Cleveland Browns or Tom Brady 12 versus the Denver Broncos today? Help! I got seven total votes in two hours, and 86% of the votes said I should start Matthew Stafford, and 14% said Tom Brady. So, yes, that's how I have it set. I'm going to keep it. I just needed some uh, some some verification there. I hope they play well, but I feel Niners have this one. Uh well, let's get into it. So the key matchup for uh, the main storyline coming into this game is that the Giants are coming off a game in which they allowed 51 points and six plays of 35-plus yards, including five passes. The defense has now dropped to 30th in yards out of 32 teams and 29th in scoring points allowed. There are anonymous sources saying that they hate Coach McAdoo. Accusations of quitting last week. Calls to sit Eli Manning and start young quarterbacks. There's fines. There's no shows to practice. How will the turmoil of this past week impact the New York football giants on the field? Well, right from the outset, it's going to be clear to see if they're playing hard or not. Will it be easy to see McAdoo's leadership? As far as I'm concerned, that guy should be fired immediately. Why wait until the end of the season? I know it's not the giant way to do it, but that guy needs to... He doesn't have his players playing for him, clearly. There's discord in the locker room, which is like the number one sign for a coach that is just losing his team or her team, but in this case, it's his. Don't get me started on that. Manning better start calling his home plays. Someone's calling for on Periscope. Whoa. So we went from McAdoo calling plays to the offensive coordinator calling plays, and now you just want Eli to take completely over. That would be like a radical change from uh, seeming a a control freak in in Ben McAdoo. So some key matchups for today, for the 49ers at least, key matchup for the 49ers is going to be running back Carlos Hyde versus the Giants' defensive line. Last week, Carlos Hyde was fined and ejected for fighting with Cardinals defenders Hassan Reddick and Frosty Rucker. Prior to that, he had nine receptions for 84 yards and 12 rushes for 41 yards. So he was pretty dangerous in that game up until that point. Uh, Like a manager's ejection in baseball, the 49ers camp is hoping that the ejection will fire their team up. He'll be back playing against the Giants today. Uh, They're hoping that it's going to breathe some life into this team, this 0-9 team of note. The Giants are 28th, yes, out of 32 in the league at stopping the run. So that's going to be a key matchup for the 49ers. If Carlos Hyde has a good game, the 49ers are going to win easy. Key matchup for the Giants. Well, you must know that San Francisco 49ers offense enters Week 10 ranked 24th in yards and 30th in scoring. So if this isn't a big day for the Giants defense, I don't know what is. Can the Giants defense keep the 49ers offense at or under the 15.9 points per game they've been averaging all season. Sounds simple, but the Giants gave up an astounding record-breaking 51 points to the Rams last week. Including that game, the Giants are averaging, they're giving up just about 26 points per game. So that is going to be something to watch if the the Giants' defense can stop the running game, especially of the 49ers. Because it it doesn't look like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get the start today for the 49ers. Which is good news for the Giants, honestly. And if this is ever a gift rebound game, there ever existed one in, in existence, 
this is it for the New York Giants. I don't know what they're going to rebound to. They're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. But this 49ers game is a perfect time to put a band-aid on all the problems they've been having just to match it, uh, mask it for a week or two. I'm streaming live on Facebook video. I'm streaming live on YouTube video. And I'm streaming live on Periscope, 90.3 FM, WRPR. And on, uh, on WRPR on the website, streaming uh, audio on the website. Now, I don't know what you guys think, anybody that's listening, watching, tweeting, commenting, but I believe that the 49ers are going to win this game 21-17, and you can lock that in. 49ers will win today over the New York Giants. It means the Giants are going to fall to 1-8. 49ers will be 1-9. I have someone in agreement. With me on Periscope. Start spreading the news. So if you are a Yankees fan, you recognize this song as being the song. That plays at the end of the game after a Yankees win at the stadium. It's Frank Sinatra, New York, New York. But this season, see, I, I'm never there late enough to hear this. I'm never up late enough to watch the end of night games. So here's new news. The New York Yankees are one of the only teams to test out earlier start times for some games, weekday games next year. I am ecstatic. I might just buy my tickets now for these games because I can finally hear the voice of Frank Sinatra blaring through the speakers at Yankee Stadium. Finally. Because the Yankees have announced a trial initiative for the 2018 season which all Monday Thursday evening home games just in April so so far will begin at 6.35 Eastern instead of the usual 7 Oh, 05 start time. A lot of people are saying smart move on Periscope. Yeah. Yes, it is a smart move because not only me, I mean, I'm an adult, but I do work at a school in my in my real job. You know, th- what about the kids? What about the kids that have to go to school the next day? The team said this is the, this change is part of an effort to better accommodate the varying needs of the fans. Yeah, young and old, continuing uh, ongoing efforts to improve the fan experience for every guest at Yankee Stadium. So here are the seven games if you're interested. Thursday, April 5th versus Baltimore. Monday, April 16th versus Miami. Tuesday, April 17th again versus Miami. Thursday, April 19th versus Toronto. Monday, April 23rd versus Minnesota. Tuesday, April 24th versus Minnesota. And finally, Wednesday, April 25th against Minnesota. Because it's terrible to stay up for these games ending at 11 o'clock, 11.30, when you have to be up at 6 and at work by 7. It's terrible. Because you had the World Series games that were ending at 1 in the morning. It was a terrific World Series, so I've heard. But I'm not staying up till 1 in the morning, 12.30 in the morning, midnight, to watch these games. I can't. I just physically cannot do it. And then the night football games, Monday night football, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, forget about it. I know I can't stay up for it. They should start those early. I've been calling that for years they should be doing that. So hats off to the Yankees. A big round of applause for them 
to start out earlier times next year. I think everybody on the East Coast is, is going to be happy with that. I don't I don't know of anybody that wouldn't be happy with that. Except, of course, if you work till 5 o'clock and have to get to the game. But even then, an hour and a half to get there, I think it would be fine. So hats off to the Yankees. Good job. And, and see you at 6.35 p.m. on the weeknight games. I might even go to a couple of those games. <laughs> That's for sure. So I, I just want to thank you guys for spending your Sunday morning with me. Uh, on Periscope, on YouTube, on Facebook Live, on all these different platforms, on the radio, 90.3 FM, uh, streaming. Uh, and just I, thank you for spending your Sunday morning with me. Uh, I hope you enjoy your football Sunday. I'm going to see you guys next Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern Sharp. And just a quick shout-out to where you can find my work in the meantime. If you cannot wait until next Sunday, on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. YouTube, Coach Space McCartan, my website, prosportsrundown.com, soundcloud.com slash Coach McCartan, on demand, iTunes podcast. This will go up. I'll put it up as a podcast before probably a giant game today, hopefully. You can search uh, on iTunes, the Apple Store, iTunes Store, whatever, Coach Space McCartan, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Tune in radio is under 60-minute overtime, play.google.com. You can search for Coach McCartan with no spaces. (sighs) And that's that. So thanks for uh, for hanging for the past hour, a little over an hour with me. And uh, go Jets, go Giants. I'll see you guys next Sunday. Thanks. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday. 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.